All right, welcome to the fifth edition of the 10th Region Weekly. Coach Kelch here with Evan Dennison and special guest Coach Josh Cook, Coach Cook of the George Rogers Clark Cardinals, who had a big week this week. Coach, tell us about that experience at the uh, White Greer Maggard Holiday Classic. Uh, you know, it, it was great. Um, just have the chance to play that type of competition. Um, you know, I think our last seven games we've played, if, um, including that term and the King of the Bluegrass, have been um, just really elite level talent and players. So um, our guys that you know to have that blessed opportunity to go and compete and have to find ways to use each other and play for each other and get better. It's been uh, it's been tremendous for us. So hopefully, you know, something we can build off of. Hey, Coach. Happy New Year, man. Yeah, happy New Year, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, what's what makes this team so fun, you know, that you've kind of experienced here in the first part of the season? What, what, what are you really liking about this group that's getting them to be, you know, so successful here early on? Um, well, you know, they're, they're pretty bought in. Um, I can't tell you it's always perfect. I mean, we'll have our mishaps. We'll have um, days where somebody can be frustrated. I mean, that's just kind of part of – that's part of it. It's kind of high school kids as it is, but – um, they're really bought in. And I honestly, I think our thing that we probably I'm most pleased with is defensively. Um, you know, they're really kind of getting an idea of us adjusting our game plans based on personnel and who we're playing um, and doing that to a pretty good level. So, you know, if we can continue to do that, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun for me because I can give them a game plan, they can execute it. So as a coach, that's all you really can ask for. So, um, but they're, they're pretty unselfish right now. I think they're, you know, with the team success there, you know, there's a lot of individual, um, I would say acknowledgement's coming with that. And so I think if they, you know, continue to sacrifice, sacrifice for the team, they'll, you know, they'll only see more of it. What, um, you know, looking at the box scores, it's hard to find a weakness for you guys. But, um, you know, obviously a coach is, you know, going to be the biggest critic of his team. What are what are some things that, you know, maybe that we're not seeing that, that you might be seeing where you guys still need to improve on and, and get better? Um, I would so I mean, I'm always a big believer in consistency, um, you know, consistency all the way around, um, you know, every, every day in practice too, just making sure guys are trying to stay at that level. Cause you know, when you get that expectation on yourself, you have to, it's hard. I mean, it is. And there, there is some, um, you know, there's some, I guess I would say, I wouldn't say pressure. I would think there's obligations that you must uphold to, uh, you know, push yourself to do that every day. Um, I think I get better rebounding. If I was being honest, that's one thing I think we to continue to, um, is, you know, I'm sometimes really curious who's going to be our leading rebounder. Um, I think over years past, we've kind of had a designated. Last year was kind of a team thing. I think Jared led us, Jared Woman led us in rebound this year. Right now, I think it's Tanner. He could be Tanner, Trent, or Jerome in any game. And then Aiden, you know, Aiden's had some big games rebounding. Sam's athletic can go. Um, I think rebounding's got to be and t- continue to get better. Um, and I would say communication level. I'm always such a big believer in that. If you want to win uh, close ball games during postseason, uh, you got to be willing to talk and put your put the team first. And so, um, I don't know if they'll ever talk enough for me as much as I want, but um, that's something we, I know we definitely have to get better at. Coach, uh, one thing I want to ask is uh, I was kind of shocked that Jerome used the uh, COVID year. He's such mm-hmm. a high-level player last year. He had Division One offers at EKU. Um, I just didn't know what he could really do to improve his game because he was already so good. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us, how has he improved from last year to this year that's made him, you know, have such a hot start to the season and it's going to make him such a more or a more, I guess, appealing division one prospect. Well, I'm, I'm going to say him being a chance to get stronger and be more efficient. Um, if you look at his, just if you want to even look at statistics as far as what he's shooting from the three, um, Drone's always been a pretty good shooter. Um, 
finding some more consistency as far as you know, at the next level, being able to catch and shoot and have a range with that shot. Um, if you remember last year, he broke he broke his wrist. So, um, and it was still a healing process as far as what he could do in the weight room and taking his time with things like that. I don't think he really started pushing himself in the weight room again until probably uh, somewhere around August, September. You know, he was lifting, but um, there was pains, you know, growing pains with that if he would do uh, bench press and things like that. Um, so I think for him, he really wanted to use the chance to get his body, uh, to get his body right, to get his range right. And, and his grades are good, uh, you know, to also get a chance to make sure they're even better, to open up more doors for him. Uh, and Drone's an awesome kid. You know, I will always tell our kids I want to improve mentally as well. So in any kid in our program, you know, including like Drone, it's something, something we all want them all to do. Understand. I mean, he's picked up even more interest now. I saw he had picked up an offer from Coastal Carolina, and I imagine – there's, there's been a variety of, of other interests, too, that I'm, I'm sure you've seen probably over the last two weeks as well. Yeah, yeah, he's had some uh, some more call. And, um, you know, sometimes we'll call. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with him. I'll tell him, like, hey, if you want me to try school, they can say no. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's whatever you want. You guys want to try it, at least we say we try it. So if they give me a list of schools they want me to contact, we can talk about it realistically. Um, you know, we don't we don't try to feed them for anything. It's not, not true. We'll just say, hey, if you want to try, we'll call. If they respond, uh, great. If you know, if they like it, they don't. Um, but he said, yeah, he's had some more schools reach out. So, and hopefully, some more will continue to uh, continue to come watch. You know, he's just along with our other guys. You know, they've had a really good chance to play against some competition of some guys playing at you know pretty pretty good level. Coach, you mentioned competition for the last two weeks. Evan and I have kind of talked about how you know your pre Christmas tournament in Louisville, and then you know the post Christmas one here in Lexington. Um, provided you with the competition you probably needed to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, now that the, you know, that post-Christmas, I don't see many teams in the 10th been able to challenge you on a nightly basis. Just, you know, not only are you talented, but your depth, your team's body in offensively and defensively. How do you keep your kids engaged now to stay focused to where you can reach your goals or reach your maximum potential? Because there's going to be some nights here on the schedule that uh, you may have more to lose than win, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and then they're going to have to handle that. Sometimes, you know, even – I mean, it's we've already kind of even talked about it. I mean, the, the one thing is that what happens sooner or later is – this is really unfortunate, but we'll win a game and then people will complain and say you didn't win by enough. I mean, that that type of stuff will come. So, for us, like what we're going to really try to talk about is setting goals for ourselves, team, like, hey, let's get really specific here. And I think that's the difference between good and great is, you know, obviously when you're good, you do a lot of things well. Now we got to really be specific on what we want to get better at and use the next, you know, uh, month and a half, two months to really try to not as much focus on our winning and, you know, and record. I mean, obviously wins will come with those things, but really try to make ourselves get better each day and use each game to improve in a certain aspect. I think what we're doing right now is we're going to go by weeks. Um, we're going to take it each week at a time. And, you know, we basically cleared our record and said, like, this week we play three games. Our goal, obviously, is to go 3-0, and um, try to win the rebounding war each night, and then try to be um, – try to keep scores uh, defensively where we want it to be. Coach, the number one talk, you know, not not just in the region, but you know, now in the state. I mean, how how awesome is that? I mean, just the, the buzz maybe around Winchester and you know the surrounding community. Um, I had already seen where Max Preps, you guys were were ranked number one. The AP poll come out here in a couple of days, and um, you know, just talk about how maybe exciting that is for you know maybe just the guys and, and you know you guys as a program. Yeah, I mean, I, we could sit and say, you know, it's not true. I mean, obviously, read it. I mean, social media mm-hmm. um, with the good and all the bad. But I know I did try to explain to them, hey, all the good stuff you're hearing, you know, give it about two weeks, guys. There will be something bad pop up that you're going to have to handle that will make you mad. <laughs> um, but with the ranking thing, um, 
I mean, I, I'm not going to give you some type of, uh, I don't know, one of these little speeches. I'm just going to say, I mean, look, I mean, it's, it's cool. I mean, obviously for kids to have a chance to even be considered as one of the better teams, um, that's something you want to be. That's something that you dream about. You want to set a standard. Um, you know, if, if we are ranked number one, great. I just, I just want us to have a chance to be in the mix. And uh, like we talked about, uh, try not to compare ourselves to other teams. Try to say, hey, let's try to be the best version of ourself. If, uh, take it, see what the other top teams are doing, see, see some things they're doing, track it maybe – take some from them and learn from it. But, you know, most importantly, let's just be the best version of GRC basketball we can be. Did the Ballard game maybe really open your eyes on how good this team could be? I mean, because you, you you won that game. I mean, it looked like, you know, you're up 6-8, you know, majority of the second half and, you know, able to pull away there at the end. I mean, did that kind of really open your eyes on how good these guys could be? It helped me. I'll say this. Um, I don't know if you watched it, how much of that game you watched. I, they allowed – I pitched pretty hard. I was pushing very uh, – I was pushing hard. And I sometimes as a coach you can do that, sometimes you can't. And for them to allow me, that that showed me how much they really want to do this together because um, I was pushing. I mean, my, my face gets red, yes. Um, it was, <laughs> I was definitely pushing. So uh, that was really pleasing for me is just to have that opportunity to you know, say, hey, guys, look, because we had to change the way we play. Like, Ballard's really good. Like, they're unbelievable. Um, but that's not a game that, you know, we want to score points, but we, guys, we got to be realistic here. If that's a, if we're trying to score in the eighties with Ballard, guys, it's probably not going to go in our favor. Um, so we controlled the, we did our best to control our tempo, but, um, they showed some toughness and, uh, you know, that's something to learn from something hopefully pay off later. And the job the night before, and, you know, I know coach Kelch, me and him had spoke and just what you did against Reed Shepard, just throwing multiple bodies at him, guarding him the full, you know, 86 feet or whatever the length of the, the court was there. And, you know, maybe maybe coach can kind of hit on this a little bit more, but just the, the job you guys did on him, I think he was held to 24 that night and had a, a good bunch of turnovers too. And, you know, we're used to seeing him putting up 40, 50 with, with triple doubles when he's doing that too. Yeah, I think he just got to make it difficult. And I think our guys are balled in defense. And that's um, and that's really – there's some simple game plans and nothing we do is extremely special. We just try to find maybe um, what we think is something we can try to – try to pit Nick at, I would say, something we're saying, hey, this is how we're going to guard this thing defensively and, and make other teams uncomfortable. And uh, it's got to be a team effort because, I mean, if we don't do it that way, if one person falls asleep, we'll usually pay the price for it. Or they'll be coming to the bench rather quickly. So, um, But, you know, defensively, uh, Reed Shepard's a special player. Um, his vision is tremendous in high school, at the high school level. He sees things very fast. Um, he's a great athlete. Uh, but, you know, I will say I'll, our guys, they do play a little chip on their shoulder. Um, they pay a little more attention to the stuff they should. They're, you know, I, I don't want them to compare, but they will. But they uh, they like defensive challenges. And if they if you when they're motivated like that, they're, uh, they can be really good together. Coach, uh, yeah, I watched a lot of the North Laurel game, and that's when I really realized that I knew you guys would be good offensively. I got a chance to watch Tanner play a lot this summer because he played with Justin Becker with Griffin Elite. Mm-hmm. And his offensive skills, I mean, just – He's just a solid all-around player. And and I know Sam coming from Tate's Creek, um, you know, scoring 20-plus a game. Uh, I knew offensively your team would be good. But against North Laurels, when I really realized how good you all were defensively, just as a unit, um, like I told Evan, you all put three guys on, you know, Reed at different times. Sam could guard him full court, Jerome. You know, you just put multiple guys and made it really tough. Um, you know, but I just wanted to tell you how impressed I was with your defensive you know, you as a team. And I really think, you know, you know as well as I do in the postseason defense travels. And um, I really think your defense is what's going to take you to the next level. I hope it's um, – and for kids to take that much pride in it. I mean, it's not the thing that always gets all the exposure or the paper or the highlights. Um, 
but it's something that, hey, you know, deep down, if if you want to be a player, in my opinion, and if you want to compete, you know, defense, you have to take a lot of pride in. And they do like that, you know, but also I'll give them credit. They have to do it every day because, you know, in practice, if you don't compete and don't guard, you're probably going to go, you know, if we're scrimmaging or we're split, you're probably going to go get somebody that's going to score on you. So um, um, hopefully that's something we'll continue. And, you know, that's something definitely the next couple months. You know, every game, every team has the best player or a couple best players. So that's still something we'll, we'll set goes with that individually, not to try to take, you know, completely shut them out, but just make sure we take other teams' best players and make their jobs difficult. Sam Parrish, what's his vertical? What's what's he, about 5'9"? I don't know, man. It's, it's way higher than I can jump, let's just be honest. <laughs> He's explosive, Coach. I watched some of those uh, – you know, I know he told me he wanted me to call him Mr. Bang It Out, but I was calling yeah, him Slam yeah, Parrish. I mean, yeah. the way he jumps for his size, and, I mean, he don't just – throw it down he gets high above the rim and cocks it back and you know just he's an explosive athlete but um tell me about Trent Edwards here real quick I saw where he took a visit to Moorhead State to watch practice um Trent's one who I think is still coming into his own I don't know if he's close to reaching his ceiling he's super athletic and just kind of tell us about the interest he's he's getting right now he is, and there's a lot of the, you know, a lot of your NAI schools small they always call everybody's kind of modern man what they see Trent is you know Trent's not going to get better and I I mean, I and I truly believe that too. I mean, you see Trent as a as you know, what, where's he going to be in three years? So he's you know he's six eight. Um, he's got a good touch, and you know, and he's played really well against some really good competition. Um, you know, and I, he's as his boater keeps improving. He's only going to get better and better. And Trent's Trent is such a good kid, guys. I mean, if you if you ever get a chance to really meet him and talk to him and ask him, he just he's just so humble and polite, and nice and. So, you know, not that I want to encourage him to get a little mean streak, but, you know, the more uh, the more that he, you know, he comes into his own, gets more comfortable, the only better he's going to get. Um, you know, he's just – he can guard all spots. You know, that's a, that's a rare gift. You know, another thing he's starting to do now is um, he can, he'll rebound it and take off with it. And in my opinion, that that's a that's a gift. That's really at our level of high school. That's, uh, that's something pretty cool kids can do. Uh, there's kids in our region that can do it. That's one reason it makes the real Henry so good because he can rebound and go. So you have to stop him in transition when they do that. Well, Trent's, you know, Trent's doing that. And now Trent can he'll, – he'll take off doing it. And you don't stop him by the free throw line, you know, you, you might get a highlight play. So, uh, uh, but he's uh, he's been really good. Trent's, uh, you know, he's had to guard some really, really good players, guys. And it's only been uh, – it's been really good for him. Yeah, I saw that Campbell County game when he just basically took off from almost the free throw line there. That was, yeah. That was pretty awesome. He uh, – went to, like today in practice, you know, he guards today all day, Jerome Morton. So, I mean, that's uh, – we split them today. Today was Sunday. We kind of done a competitive day is what we call it. And uh, who did he guard the entire time? Jerome Morton. And that's, that's only going to make them both better, so. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy on a Sunday. and But, uh, as always, I appreciate your time and wish you and your team the best of luck the rest of the way. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it. And, I, and just on a side note, I think, you know, something else we're going to try to get better at to give you guys a chance to is – to get to learn some of the depth more, we're going to really try to do a good job the next month and a half of uh, just to help ourselves situations. Hopefully the COVID stuff stays away, but we want to do a really good job of making sure we develop that bench. And so we get in certain situations and circumstances where uh, we're still ready to go. Hopefully I can catch you guys soon. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. So Coming always, down to Wind City. <laughs> always a blessing guys. We appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks coach. All right. Thanks. All right, that was Coach Josh Cook of the George Rogers Clark Cardinals, who uh, made a strong case this week of, you know, being ranked number one in the state. And, you know, like Coach Cook said, you know, it's exciting just to be in that conversation. So, um, 
Clark County's got a big week this week. I know he's had three games. I know they got a di- district game with Paris. I know they got great crossing, and I think they got Paul Lawrence Dunbar. So, uh, you know, I think um, great crossing and Paul Lawrence Dunbar, two teams that may provide them a little bit of test to check his rebounding. I know great crossing got two guys about 6'10". So he's going to get to see if his team's able to rebound against some size this week. Yeah, great point. And, then, you know, it <laughs> it continues to, to be a gauntlet for them. On You know, obviously it won't be the quite the last two weeks, but, you know, when you're playing teams like Great Crossing and Dunbar, you're, they're continuing to, to challenge themselves on a on a weekly basis. And, you know, I, I think you nailed the the nail on the head, you know, throughout the rest of the season. You know, they're going to have some weeks where, you know, just take the following week, for instance, you know, Bourbon, Montgomery County, and Shelby County. Those will be three games that they're expected to probably win pretty big. So, you know, he's going to have to find ways to challenge his team on a weekly basis. And, you know, I think that's a great approach on just – how they're going to do it. Hey, we got three games this week. We got to go three and zero. these are the areas that we really need to attack to, to get even better to, to get to where we want to be. And, you know, in all honesty, and this is no knock towards Paris bourbon or Montgomery, but you know, he could even probably have a letdown in one of the district games and still be able to advance, you know? Um, and that's no knock towards them. That's more of a compliment to how good they are. And I don't know if I expected them to be this good, this fast, because like I said, their defensive effort against, North Laurel, and obviously they had to play some pretty good defense to beat Ballard. So, um, but let's move on. A couple other tournaments. This um, let's move on to the Henry County Invitational. Uh, Harrison County, I think, went down there and won three games this week to be crowned champions. And I think Harrison County starting to play like that top five team in the region we expect them to be. Yeah, they went three and zero. They beat Iroquois, Hart County, and then Spencer County, the host, in uh, in the championship game. So. Uh, you know, a really good week for them. Uh, you know, you mentioned Caden Custard was the uh, tournament MVP there for that. And, um, you know, I think the most impressive game was their their second game when they beat um, Hart County, uh, 62-44. I say that because they had, looks like, six different guys score at least seven or eight points in that game. So, Looks like they did it with balance, um, and, and then when they needed to, you know, it looked like they turned to Custard, and you know, he's the one that kind of helped them prevail and, and take home a, a championship as they as they come into the new year. Well, also Bishop Rosser was in that uh, tournament as well, and they went two and one, and they beat that same Hart County team. I think they beat them by double figures as well. Um, mm-hmm. So Brosser may be starting to get into the a little bit of rhythm here, close to the All A, which I know that's what Coach Codes goal was to have his team ready and playing well by the All-A, which is coming up this week. But, uh, you know, it kind of surprises me, and you'll know more about this than me, but um, several of our top ten lists that I see throughout, you know, the preseason, like the Cats, Pauls, and some of the other media outlets, hardly ever has Caden Custard ranked in the top ten. And then when I did my stay hot, I think I ranked him at like seven. I think that kid's very deserving of top ten status in the region. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm very big on Caden. I mean, he, he does it all. He's a do-it-all point guard. That's that's what I like the most about him. Is he's, he's such a good rebounder, too, for his level. And, you know, he's the one that's usually bringing the ball up the floor and required to, you know, run the offense. And then you'll see him down banging on the boards and, and getting rebounds. So, And I still think he's kind of uh, – you know, this will be kind of strange to say. Of course, I've coached against him for a few years now, and he's kind of got that killer instinct. And if he has a chance to beat you, a lot of times he's going to beat you. But he still kind of reminds me of the perfect point guard for what Coach Brooks is doing in Harrison County. He's still kind of a pass first. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to facilitate the offense. You know, he can penetrate, he can score, but he also likes to get his teammates involved. And I think that's what makes him really special. 
Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, when they spread her around like that, like I said, in that win over Hart County, it makes them even, you know, more dangerous and having so many guys you have to prepare for and, and get ready for defensively. So, you know, they're sitting at 7-4 seven, four, seven and four right now. They've won four games in a row. And then um, looks like they've got pretty much the whole week off until Saturday when they'll host the uh, Kentucky 2A sectional championship against either the Mason County or Bourbon County winner. So they'll have another five days of practice for Coach Brooks to get him ready for, for that game. And ultimately, and we'll talk a little bit more about that because I want to jump to the MCIT here in a minute. But I think that's, you know, that, that Saturday is when we'll find out a little bit more about Harrison County, you know, and, you know, how good they are right now. Because, I you know, if everything falls where they should, they'll be playing Mason County in that 2A final, which I think that'll be a good test for Harrison County early on. But let's move to the Mason County Invitational. Um, I thought, first of all, that the uh, Mason County basketball team, whether it be Coach Kirk, Coach Gilbert, Coach Bennett, um, the athletic directors, whoever. I thought they put on a first-class event, and not just because of the facilities, but the quality of the eight teams that they had show up for this. I mean, um, I think Augusta is a very good basketball team, and they went 0-3. And that kind of gives you a kind of – and I'm not saying Augusta played their best because I don't think they did, but some of that could be because of the level of opponents they were playing. But um, – Eight quality opponents there. And, you know, Augusta Mason, the only two 10th region teams, but we got to see Warren Central, who I think is probably a, a legit chance to win the fourth. And then, you know, Bryan Station was good. Walton Verona is really good. Perry County Central, Fleming County. Um, I'm forgetting one. Augusta oh, Mason and, oh. and Collins. Yeah, they made the finals against Warren County Central. Very good team. So, um, but, you know, that was a very good tournament. Yeah, so all 12 games, you know, they were all, uh, you know, high-quality teams, um, you know, really good competition. Got to see some great coaches, uh, some great players, and it was just an overall great tournament. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because, you know, the, the, the officiating was a hot topic in one of the games, but um, I felt like they play, let them play throughout the tournament, you know. So it was a, you know, a physical tournament to where, um, you know, there wasn't many – you know, fouls being called to distract the game other than maybe one game where it got a little bit away. But um, overall, you know, Warren Central was a very impressive basketball team. Uh, they had length, they had athleticism, and their defense was was really tough. And, you know, when they get out in transition, they're, they're a very tough team to stop. So they'll be uh, in my top 10 ballot um, this week when I, when I follow it for the Associated Press, just because of how impressive they were and their body of work so far. And I think they open up the new year with Bowling Green this week and, you know, what's probably going to be a fourth region final preview maybe. So they were impressive. Collins also impressed me too, just the way they executed a physical team. And, um, you know, they, they, they won their first two games grinding. I mean, they were down four or six to Fleming County, uh, opening up the fourth quarter and, and made a run. Kenyon Gooden's a very impressive basketball player. And then the second night they uh, took down Mason County, the host and, you know, a very physical game. And, um, you know, they, they, they took Mason County out of a lot of stuff that they probably wanted to do offensively. And Mason County shot poorly that night. And Collins just had, just had enough in the end to hang on. So, you know, those two teams were very impressive getting to the finals. Um, and then, you know, Mason County finished third. They, they topped Brian, Brian Station in the third place game. Thought, thought both those teams, you know, played at a very fast pace and, you know, had some impressive people on them. And, 
you know, like you said, uh, you know, Augusta went on three in it. I just felt like they, they struggled to defend in that whole tournament. They gave up 80-plus each game, and they really missed Riley Maston and his, you know, toughness that he brings on the inside and, and what he needs to do for them. Um, so they're, they're hoping to maybe get him back by the All-A this weekend, but, you know, based off um, what his prognosis is of, you know, a torn rotator cuff, sometimes those are, you know, pretty lengthy to recover from, so – but Mason County rebounded or, you know, rebounded well after the loss to Collins and, and beating Bryan Station, a very clean game. They only committed seven turnovers in that game and, you know, a good bounce back game for them to get back into this. And, you know, they'll have a tough game on Tuesday. They, they play Ryle and Keaton Belcher. You know, he's no he's no stranger to the 10th region. And that team freaking shoots the ball, man. They, they fire up some three-pointers, so. Well, did you see, speaking of Ryle, and I know this kind of out of region here, but did you see how bad Bath County beat them? In the finals of that Bath County tournament? Yeah, uh, Bath County's good, man. Yeah, Bath County's really good. And they come to Robertson County, I think, here soon. Maybe Monday. maybe tomorrow. Yeah, Monday. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I'm not wanting to get off subject of the MCIT, but, you know, you talk about Ryle and they normally shoot the ball well, but they must have had an off-shooting night that night. And, you know, they only scored what? I think Ryle scored like 30 or 40 maybe. I don't have the final with me, but, um, you know, overall, I, I do think, you know, the MCIT was, was a very good tournament. I'm glad to see it back. And, you know, I think with them having such a short time to prepare for this and still able to get the field they did, um, it's kudos to them. And I, I think that's only going to make it better in years to come. You know, each coach was very, um, you know, warm and receptive to, to coming back if they were involved. And, um, you know, I, I just thought it was a, a very good tournament. I, and I did, I did as well, and I only got to see one day and the high quality of games. You know, even that Augusta-Fleming County game was a well-played game between two well-coached teams and two teams that played really hard. And um, But before I forget, Ryle only scored 41 against Bath County in the finals there. And, that you know, but um, just kind of confirm what I said a while ago. But also, um, the one thing I want to mention is Augusta, LJ Connor had a really good three games. I think he scored 53 points. And those three games, which is just shy of 18 points a game, um, he made the all-tournament team for Augusta. And I know Riley being out's hurt that team overall. You know, anybody the caliber of player of Riley Maston being out. But it's also, I think, gave LJ Connor some confidence. He's been in the starting lineup. He's been playing extremely well. And I think it's also gave a few guys on their bench an opportunity to play more minutes than Evan Brooks or Will Kelch that could potentially, you know, maybe they have to use a little bit you know, later on, and uh, they could come back to the experience they got here in the MCIT against really good teams, and it may help them. Um, also, Mason County had Nate Mitchell and Terrell Henry on their all-tournament team, and I think in that third-place game, Terrell Henry was player of the game as well. Um, but he also surpassed the 1,000-point club, and you really shocked me, and, you know, you led me to think about, you know, only 26 players in Mason County history have ever scored a 1,000. Yeah. That's you look at the names on that list too, and it's 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 an impressive list to be on. And what's crazy with Terrell is, you know, he's only a junior. You, you take on the fact that he had a COVID year too, where they probably missed out on about ten games. So that's maybe another two hundred plus points for him, or he would have done it last year. And then, um, you know, you add on the fact that he's got, you know, probably twenty games or so this year. He's averaging about twenty five or so a night. So you know, add on another 15, you know, 500 points. So that puts him over 1,500. And there's only been four players ever in Mason County history to hit 2,000 points. And 
you know, that's that's a that's a program where it's it's hard to get on the floor as a freshman or a sophomore. You know, there's there's guys that, you know, are some dudes at junior and senior level. But, you know, Terrell, you know, as soon as he came in as a freshman, he's done everything asked uh, from from the coaching staff. And um, he really took off his second part of the season, his freshman year and hasn't skipped a beat since. And just, you know, what he's able to do on on any given night, like it really didn't even seem like he was going to get it the other night at 10 points at halftime. And I think majority of those were from the free throw line. And then the third quarter is when he really got going and hit a couple threes in that game too. So he's continuing to show his all around game. And I think what was most impressive from him that night, first play of the game, he's diving on the floor for a loose ball uh, results in a transition layup for his team. And, you know, he, that's what he's ultimately bought into is just the team concept and just how impressive of a, a leader and, you know, star he is on the floor. You get to see him a lot more than I do because obviously you cover a lot of their games. But every game I watch him, I think I become more and more impressed just with the winning plays he makes. I mean, he'll go in and get a big rebound through traffic and contact. Um, I remember me looking at you or you looking at me and us talking about, you know, how when the best player on your team will dive on the floor to save your team a possession. You know, just those winning type plays. And um, Terrell makes a lot of those. And I was impressed with – Nate Mitchell against Bryan Station. I thought his jump shot looked really good from the perimeter. Um, I don't think he got going downhill into the basket near as much against Bryan Station as he does against some other teams. That could be because of their length, their quickness, their you know their defense. But uh, I thought Nate looked really well against Bryan Station. I think he's really starting to you know feel a hundred percent healthy. He doesn't look as timid to me as he did early on. And I think once he gets a hundred percent healthy and that confidence back, you're gonna see Mason kind of go to another level. Yeah, and two of those three games, those two combined for over 50. Um, so I think when they do that, it's going to make them even more dangerous. Um, and I think, you know, the final game, they had four guys play all 32 minutes with you know, Terrell, Nate, KG Walton, and Philip Beerley. And those four combined only committed two turnovers on the third game of three days. So, you know, just hats off and, and kudos to them and an impressive uh, win over Brian Station to get third place. And, They'll move into the new year, you know, with with Ryle and then hope to win the uh, 2A championship as they open with Bourbon County on Thursday. Well, yeah, and let's go ahead and tell the people about the 2A championship. And we do only have three teams participating in the 10th, to my knowledge. Uh, I know you said they're sectional. So are there any other teams from the 10th that are in any other sections? Because the ones that I know about are Mason, Bourbon, and Harrison. Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Um, you know, I hadn't the brackets were were tough to even read on the two A site. So I know there's only 30 something teams altogether out of all the sectionals, um, out of the eight sections. So I think most sections there's maybe four or five teams max. And um, but I mean, you know, it's a midseason tournament where you win those two games this week, you get a chance to go to Owensboro the following weekend. They've got a really nice um arena that you can play in. It's called the Sports Center and I think it seats, you know, a good five, 6,000 people at least. And uh, just an opportunity to play in a, you know, mid-season tournament with, with eight teams all heading for, for one goal. Right. And um, like you said, Mason will play Bourbon County on Thursday, did you say? Correct. And the winner of that team will – or the winner of that game will go to Harrison County and play Harrison County on Saturday. So the winner of Mason and Bourbon will take on Harrison County on Saturday. And, um, you know, we talked about a little bit before we – started recording about the 2A, and um, we both kind of wish that it would gain a little bit more traction than what it's gained. And it seems to me like it's dying out quick, and I'm not for sure the reason why. I don't know if it's classification discussion 
or what, but, you know, I don't think the 2A ever really took off like they wanted it to. Yeah, you know, I think COVID probably hurt it last year. Um, but the first year or two, I was I, I loved it. I loved the idea of it, you know, having a midseason tournament like that, especially when you're in, like, the, the dog days of January when you're, you know, just playing two or three games a week, just getting on the bus, coming back home, and then you just kind of get in a routine where this maybe breaks that routine a little bit and gets your guys a chance to play in some – high-level stakes, but I also think probably scheduling has a lot to do with it, too, because, you know, you're they're maybe making you kind of set aside a week to where you can't schedule games, and, you know, this this year, we know scheduling's crazy as it is. You know, you never know if you're going to be able to play tomorrow, so, you know, it's probably tough for teams to keep those weeks open, and then, you know, if, if they do, and then something happens, and they're, they're scrambling for games here and there, so I, I think that might have a little bit to do with it, too. That's a very good point. You know, uh, I, t- I hear a lot of guys and coaches talk about, you know, scheduling and what kind of problem it could be or, or is. So I, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. And like you said, with COVID, you don't know if you're going to be playing tomorrow. So um, we mentioned that the finals at 2A will be on Saturday. That's not the only big event going on Saturday in the 10th. Um, that's also kind of the big day of the 10th region All-A. Um, Robertson and Calvary will play at Calvary on Friday. Um, and the winner will move on to play um, the winner of, I think it's uh, Paris and St. Pat. Yeah. So um, Saturday, let's hear let's hear your predictions. You know, what's going to happen in the All-A this week? I'm going to go with, in terms of semis, what I'm expecting to see would be Calvary versus Paris on one side. And then I'm going to go with Bracken versus Brossard on the other. So that's my predictions on, on how I think it'll play out. I just think Robertson, I mean, they're going to get a good test on Monday um, coming back from their their break when they when they host Bath County. Uh, Bath County is a really good team right now. They're off to their best start in program history. So I think that'll give Robertson a good tune-up leading into Friday. But I just think Calvary on their home floor, that's going to be a, a tough ask um, for the Black Devils. And, uh, and Justin Becker and those guys, um, you know, Calvary's coming off a huge win. I mean, they beat Scott on uh, on Tuesday, uh, a huge district win for them. And when they were able to take away in a, a meat grinder, I guess you could say, 37-36, which to me is just an eye-opening score um, for, for a boys game, especially those two teams with, with such, you know, talented offensive players on the floor. And, um, you know, obviously I'm going to go with Robertson County um, <laughs> for the simple fact that, you know, I still believe in those guys. Right. Um, I still believe that uh, Josh Plosky and Carson Gay, Brady Boyd, um, can put it together to help Justin Becker enough to progress in that game. I know um, Calvary's not going to have really an answer for Justin on the interior. They're going to have trouble keeping him off the boards. Um, but I will say this. Um Calvary Christian is probably one of the tougher places in the 10th region to play. I'm not 100% sure why that is. Um, I've taken teams down there in the past who I felt were 20, 25 points better, and we were in double overtime fighting for a victory. Um, And I'm not, you know, in Robertson County going on the road is unfortunate. Um, I think Bracken County probably wishes that game was at Bracken because Robertson County travels well. Um, So um, I'm obviously going to go with Paris and Robertson. Brossard and Bracken as well on the other side. Augusta's not playing real well right now as a team, I don't feel like. I feel like they took some steps in the right direction at the MCIT. Um, but also, 
I think a lot of Augusta will depend on, you know, if Riley Maston comes back healthy. Um, I'm still hearing that he probably won't play in the All-A. Um, I think that's going to make it tough for Augusta um, because he does give them one distinct size advantage on the floor. Um, but I also know this, Brighton County's playing extremely well right now. They just beat Montgomery County at Montgomery County, um, which I don't care what Montgomery County's record is. That's never an easy task. Um but I did see in the box score where Garrett Reynolds seems to be back playing for Brighton County right now. Um, I think I saw a tweet that um, Coach Reed put out that Garrett Reynolds was back um, playing for the Polar Bears. And, and that's somebody who can come in right away and contribute. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. I hadn't seen his name. Um, I think Coach Reed tweeted after the Montgomery County game how Grant Free hit a big three in the fourth and Garrett Reynolds contributed. Because I know Peyton Tolley is still out. Um, but I think the deciding factor on there is Blake, Caden, Reed, and the fact that they're playing at home. Yeah, that, that's 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 the thing. And that's why I picked Calvary over Robertson, just because they were on their home floor for, for that one. Now, maybe if that's a neutral site or at Robertson, like you said, it, it could be a different story. But I'm just going to go with, with them on their home court in that game. And, you know, you, you talk about that Montgomery game, and I, I bet Adam was Adam Reed was probably most excited just on how they won that game. Um, getting 18 from Blake, but listen to this. They got 17 from Caden Reed, 13 from Deshaun Commodore, and 12 from Devontae Jefferson. They get four and double figures like that, then that adds a different element to that team and just how dangerous they can be outside of, you know, obviously the Reed brothers because, it you know, the first 10 games, it's been mostly those two. You know, it's been those two putting up 20-plus and maybe others, you know, chipping in four, six, eight here or there. But when they can get four double figures like that, then I, I think that's what, you know, would make them even more dangerous and a team that, you know, can definitely take three games in the All-A and, and, and advance on. I definitely think they're more than capable of taking three in the All-A and advancing on, especially at home. And um, it's, you know, I keep thinking, you know, that augusta Bracken County game is, you know, probably the two highest-ranked teams in the All-A in the 10th playing each other in the first round. Um but, you know, another thing I was thinking about, too, is Devontae didn't even play or, you know, in the first matchup at Augusta when Bracken, you know, kind of handled him pretty easily. And Devontae certainly scored. First, he played the first two minutes of the game and then didn't come back. But, um, yeah, right here it says, um, I can't explain how proud I am of Jashad Commodore, Austin Norton, and Devontae Jefferson. They continue to improve. But I feel like this team is complete with the addition and contribution from Garrett Reynolds. Interesting. That's that's something new to me. And I'm going to go – I'll see Tuesday. I, I see – I'm going to go see Bracken County play Campbell County in Brooksville. Well, I also just want to say that I'm glad Garrett's back playing. I think he needed to be playing all along. Um, I definitely think he's somebody who's got some experience and the ability to knock down a shot that can uh, really help, you know, space the floor for Blake and Caden and, you know, just another body out there for, for the Polar Bears. Yeah, and speaking of Blake, you know, congrats to him on, on clearing that 2,000-point marker for his career. That's a – you know, I think a special milestone and, you know, with him only being a sophomore, the sky's the limit. And, you know, we could end up being talking 4,000 by the time his senior year ends. So, you know, quite the accomplishment, quite a score. And, um, you know, I think he's going to be the one that, you know, can, can lead the polar bears to special things over the next couple of years. And I definitely think they're, um, you know, and I think what Coach Reed just said, you know, you know that I read about the co the contribution of the role players and how they're improving, and I think that's what's really going to make them special. And it's going to make them a tough out, and um, 
I don't think there will be an easy out in the district. They're not going to be an easy out in the region and definitely in the All-A this week. But, uh, you know, there's a reason we play the games. Augusta's got enough, excuse me, enough firepower with, you know, Kyle and Henson has put up, yeah, what, 20-plus a couple games, two of the last three games or something. Yeah, so he's, he's starting up. to get his feel. Um, then you got uh, Chase Archball's capable of knocking down a shot. Connor snapshot the ball extremely well at the field house against – Fleming County, so he's shooting the ball really well. We know what kind of player Kaysen is and what he's capable of. So I think 5 o'clock on Saturday, that's going to be a dandy, and you might want to get there early. Yeah, well, I'll be there at 11 o'clock in the morning all day. So <laughs> I'm not, not going to be envious of you, but uh, um, I don't know if I'll make it there at 11. Maybe if you <laughs> beg me, I will. But other than that, uh, I might come a little bit later. But uh, you mentioned Blake um, surpassing a two pa- the 2,000-point plateau. Also, a couple other guys in the 10th. Um, Chase Walton also gained his 1,000 point this week. And um, that's a nice honor for Chase. Chase is one of those guys for St. Pat who has stuck with him through the good and the bad. And, you know, you admire a kid who um, – who, who does that when they know maybe that a lot of wins aren't going to be there, but they stay loyal to their, their school, their team, their, their friends, their teammates. And, uh, you know, that's a big honor for him passing a thousand points. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a, a good, a good accomplishment there for Chase and um, a guy that, uh, you know, does a lot for, for, for that school and that program, you know, he, he, he plays on the soccer team and, you know, cr- contributes in other sports too. And, uh, you know, had a big night that night when, um, you know, they, 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 he did it against Paris and had 30 points that night. He hit 11 or 12 and 19 from the field and, you know, pulled down 13 rebounds. And, you know, Chase is, he's had a good career there with the Saints. And, you know, looks like they were competitive with Paris and, you know, they'll get a chance to play him again here next weekend when they open up the All A. Chase is also um, one of the guys on St. Patrick's team that I feel like could, you could put him on a few other 10th region teams and he could be a contributor. Um, he rebounds well. I mean, he uh, – I think he has the ability to score, and I think if he was playing around, you know, four guys on the floor that were as good or better than him, I think it would make him that much better of a player. So, hats off to Chase Walton. Also, um, Wyatt Clark had a big week this week. Nicholas County went 3-0 and in their uh, holiday – I don't know if it was a tournament, a classic, a round robin, but uh, he had 39 points and 40 – and 39 and 41 in back-to-back games uh, – against Adair County in Prestonsburg. And I said when I saw White Clark play Robertson County that the kid was underrated and the kid knows how to score. And putting up 39 and 41, I don't care who your opponents are, that's a big-time game. Yeah, and the way he did it, too. I mean, the, the first night um, against Adair County, he hit a, a buzzer-beating three to win it. And then um, they go to overtime with Prestonsburg, and that's the one he scores, uh, you know, 41 in. And, they win by four in overtime. So um, great week for him. Great week for the Blue Jackets. And, uh, you know, congrats to Coach Wrights. And looks like he's got things kind of, you know, with momentum going on their side. They'll they'll host St. Patrick tomorrow. It looks like, you know, they might have four straight wins going into uh, y'all A and, and facing Bishop Frostert on Saturday at 2 o'clock. And I don't know if we mentioned it with Coach Cook or not, but uh, Jerome Morton was named the most valuable player of the uh, – White Greer Maggard Holiday Classic in Lexington. So, congrats to Jerome as well. But um, it just seems like, um, and I know we mentioned Caden as MVP of the Henry County Tournament, but uh, just yeah. seems like you know it wasn't a real busy week in the tenth region, but it was kind of a a noisy week, if you know what I'm saying. A lot of big performances, a lot of big games, a lot of big individual performances, and um, 
just like it was a good week in the 10th, but I think business is about to pick up with the All-A about a week away. Yeah, Saturday is going to be nuts. I mean, we're going to find out a lot about a lot of teams, and what I like most about it is it's a lot of in-region games, you know, with the All-A all day, and then, you know, the 2A with, with um, you know, the Bourbon-Mason winner versus Harrison. So that's that's four games right there we're going to see on that day with, with region opponents playing each other. So a very busy Saturday ahead of us, and maybe a – a little help to clear our heads for, for these 10th region rankings, which I think from teams six through 14 has been just a, a nightmare to pick on a weekly basis. I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, you know, I put together a list of my rankings, but I feel like the more I rank them, the less I know about these teams or, or less I know about what these teams can be. Um, you know, I still feel like Scott talent wise, is a top six team in the region. But if you go look at their record and you go look at, you know, some of their games, for example, losing by one to Calvary, that doesn't shock me, but a 38-37, now I don't know, did Calvary hold it for three minutes at a time every offensive possession? I doubt it because that doesn't seem to me to be the way that Coach Donaldson likes to play. Or was it just a poor offensive performance by both teams and Calvary just happened to have the ball last, so to speak. But just – you know, Scott's kind of an enigma for me because I think talent-wise, they're a top five, six team in the region. Yeah, that game's confusing. Um, looking at the numbers, there was 71 combined field goals in it. So it, I definitely think the pace was was a lot slower. Um, Scott shot 14 of 38 in that game. And, you know, I, I know they had been missing people, you know, the prior week, but it looks like they had – uh, pretty much everyone there for that game. So I, I, you're, you're, I'm with you. I, I can't figure them out right now. One or eleven. Um, just last week alone, you know, they lost that game, 37-36, and then followed it up two nights later. Now I think the competition stepped up quite a bit, but you know, 29 points against Dixie Heights and a 57-29 loss. So they, they've got a lot to figure out offensively. It looks like. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it doesn't get any easier for those guys because um, it looks like, you know, coming up, they'll – well, it looks like they do get to play the 10th over the next four games, which will help us. You know, Bracken on the 6th, Pendleton County on the 7th, and they get Holmes, and then they get Harrison County on the 11th. So, I think the next four games will probably help to see, you know, maybe where they are in the 10th region considering – the majority of these 11 losses are outside of the region, outside of Mason County and, and Calvary Christian. Those are the only two games um, that they've played region opponents. So I think, you know, over the next couple of weeks will give us more of a gauge of, of where they are. And losing that first game to Calvary, you know, what people don't realize is that's a seeded district game, and that kind of puts them behind the eight ball. And, and with that you know, district, too, they only play each other once. It's not oh, like really? – Yeah, you don't get a home and home. It's – it's only three games, so they're going to have to beat either Brossert or um, Campbell to, to avoid that dreaded one-versus-four game, which will most likely be against Campbell County. Obviously, somebody you don't want to face in the uh, first round of the district, but, um, you know, Coach Fromeyer knows Coach Russell really well. I think they're really good friends off the court as well as real good competitors on the court. So, I mean, you know, Scott maybe, you know, hopefully can figure it out by the end of where – you know, that's a game that we can look forward to. But um, right now, they're struggling. And, you know, like I said, I can understand them losing to Calvary by one. I don't understand how they only scored 37 points. So, um, right. but, um, you know, we talked about our rankings. And, you know, it seems like 
the first the first five. Um, Clark, Mason, Campbell, Harrison, Bracken have pretty well solidified themselves for me in the top five with not only, you know, just with how well they've played, but, you know, six through 13, 14, I'm, you could put them in a hat and draw them out for me because I'm not 100% sure how they are. Yeah, no, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, GRC one for me, Mason two, Campbell at three. I still got Harrison at four just because, you know, what they were able to do last week and – I got Bracken County fifth, and then from there, I mean, I, I gave Calvary Christian a big bump just off, you know, what they were able to do and a victory over Scott, and then uh, I put their uh, 37th district counterparts right behind them in Bishop Brossert. Uh, I dropped Augusta a few spots uh, to eight, and then um, got Montgomery County nine. I think they're kind of right in that mix. Where where, where do you put them? I don't know. <laughs> and then you got Scott 10. Uh, I got Robertson County 11, Bourbon County 12, and then, you know, Pendleton 13, Paris 14, Nicholas 15, and St. Pat 16. So, you know, 6 through 12, 13-ish on, on any given night. I, I don't really know, you know, if there was a, a line setter or an odds maker, they'd, they'd have a tough time. Well, and our first eight is, you know, the same. I also have Calvary 6, Brossard 7, Augusta 8. Yeah. I put Bourbon 9. Um, Robertson 10, Scott 11. Then mm -hmm. I had Montgomery 12. Then I went Pendleton. I jumped Nicholas up to 14th. I jumped them above Paris. I know Paris hadn't played in a while, and I know Paris beat Nicholas head-to-head, -head, but Nicholas did go 3-0 this week. So I gave Coach Wrights and them a bump, and then I ended with Paris 15, St. Pat 16. So um, our top eight's the same. Then after that, we got a few places out, but it's, you know, maybe after the All-A in this week, we'll be able to have a little bit you know, better time of gauging where these teams are when they're jockeying for position here. Yeah, I think we had said that a few weeks ago, just kind of over the break these next two weeks. It was going to be tough to gauge because a lot of the, the teams were playing out-of-region opponents and couldn't really tell or teams were having a full week off or, or whatnot. But I think now here over the next month, we're going to really start getting a good gauge of, you know, district games and all-A tournaments and two-As and, and things like that to where – Teams are going head-to-head, -head, and to me, that's the ultimate tiebreaker when you when you consider a lot of rankings. Right. And um, before we go, I mentioned on Twitter this week that we was going to debut a new, a yeah, new portion, and um, we're going to call it From the Stands, Things Overheard in 10th Region Gyms. Now, let me preface that by saying um, you're in a lot more gyms than I am. When I'm in the Robertson County Gym, um, I'm usually calling the games on NFHS. Sometimes if something really rowdy happens, I can still hear. Um, so you're gonna, I'm going to rely on you a lot of times for this. But I know, you know, just sitting with you just for three or four games at the MCIT, um, what you hear in the stands sometimes from the fans is worth the price of admission. Um, just to sit there and listen to them and think, they can't really believe that. They can't really believe that, you know. And a lot of times these sayings are directed at the uh, officials and sometimes they're even directed at the coaches or players. But uh, um, anything this week that you heard that just kind of, you know, threw you off guard or kind of just got your attention? Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to this. I mean, <laughs> it's commented to me on just how people go to games and you won't hear them cheering on their team or their kids or whatnot. You just hear them yelling at the official the whole game and it's just like do you go to a, do you go to a game just to do that do you, do you really enjoy conflict or 
you know, just yelling at people that much. So it's just, I don't know. I don't it's think just, it's, I don't think it's enjoy conflict. I think they want to have an excuse or somebody to blame when something goes wrong. Yeah. They, they can't, they can't fathom the fact that it may be their child's fault or their team's fault or the coach's fault. They, they want to have somebody to blame when they lose or when they turn it over. I think it's more of, they want to be able to place the blame on the officials, but you're right. It's pure comedy. And my thing with that is like, I mean, when me and you were playing, do you remember it being this bad? Like, I, I really don't. No, but I think it's like just the world we live in. Just like, and if they don't get to you enough on uh, throughout the game, they'll just blast you on social media. And all they do is need one comment from somebody agreeing with them to justify. Yeah. And to run with their narrative. Yes. And, you know, all so. Right, well, here- Here's a couple ones. My, my favorite one of, of the week was um, some angry fan yelling out, blow your whistle, ref, you're blind. And the ref literally, right before she, the person had yelled that, called the ball out of bounds on one team. So he had to blow his whistle. He could have been blind there. So that one just kind of struck out to me. And then, I mean, just the basic ones of over the back, which is comedy to me because there's no official over the back in basketball. There isn't. It's a, it may be a push or a shove or something, but there is nothing literally called over the back. My then, favorite one is when you hear repeatedly, call it both ways, ref, yeah, call it yeah. both ways. And then, and then you look up, then you look up at the fouls and it's eight, seven. Yeah. Both teams are in the bonus. You yeah, know, and, call and it both ways. It's funny though because they'll they'll say that they'll they'll mention out the foul count where where that team's playing in a zone and the other's pressing full court. So yeah, I mean there's there's going to be more fouls for a team that probably presses full court compared to a team that's playing in zone. I mean it's just, but, you know, but you know when I think of calling it both ways, I'm thinking of okay, one team's has significantly got more fouls than the other, but then I look up at the scoreboard and it's like eight seven, yeah, five four, you know, it's just but uh. Another good one I've heard this year. It wasn't this Saturday, and uh, and I hope and I know the person that you know if they listen to this, they're gonna know it's them. But it is what it is, and uh, you know it was after a game over at Harrison County, and they're getting ready to announce, and the guy on the PA says, "And the player of the game is," and you hear this lady shout, "The referees, give it to the refs." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was a good one, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's like you made a good point, like. I think some people literally pay their admission or their entry to the game just, or they feel like paying gives them the right. I paid my money. You know, I can sit here, I can yell at these officials and I don't think they care how dumb they look. Yeah. And it's, it's sad, you know, and that's why we're starting to come up with an official shortage and, you know, it might not affect this short term, but, you know, long-term wise, I mean, it, it could get scary because, you know, you got certain sports and I mean, basketball, it's just so personal because you're, you're right on top of the action and you're so close in a quiet gym where maybe a football game, you're in the stands, you know, possibly 30, 40 yards away from officials or, you know, just certain sports where you may not hear it as much as basketball, where it's really personal and, and, and you're up close and tight and, and well, it's such well a also, game these days, it's it's just, it's a it's a hard game to officiate. It really is. Well, it really is because days. the the athletes are much quicker and stronger now. But I want you to think about a couple of things too. You made a very good point about how you know personal up and close. But a lot of the officials in the tenth are from our area. A lot of these fans know them personally, and they don't care. 
Yeah. You know, they start calling them out by name. Then they start, you know, maybe addressing them on social media. Um, It's just, it's just not a good look. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I might've got at our character the other night with how bad one game was and just how officiating was, but, but my biggest pet peeve was just taking control of the game, you know, right. If you're right. going to call it one way, continue to call it that way the whole game. Whereas that game, they let things go for three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, they decided to call everything. And then there was 30 fouls called in the fourth quarter and then 36 free throws shot. And the fourth quarter alone took 54 minutes. So no one wants to watch that, man. I mean, we're not we're not there to watch officiating. And, I, and this is not me griping at about, a, you know, or griping at officials or, or certain guys or whatnot. But all I just ask is just take control of a game and make it to where – you know, it's it's about the kids on the court and, and not about the foul calls um, that that could dictate, you know, just how the game and the tempo gets played. Because you know, we're not we're not there to watch that. But you know, and, and I give them the benefit of the doubt ninety percent of the time because it's a very tough job. This isn't their first jobs. I mean, this isn't what they do for a living. Majority of them have full time jobs elsewhere, and then they're getting off work and traveling an hour or two hours one way or the other, and then having to travel one way or two hours on the way home you know, for what, 70, 80 bucks for a varsity game, you know? So they're not in this for the money. They're in this for the kids, the community to help them out. And, you know, if someone thinks they can do that good of a job, then, hey, you know, there's manuals and stuff and you can start training and become an official yourself. Right. And that's a very good point. And, you know, you mentioned the referee shortage um, earlier, and I know that's um, that's going on in some of our other sports. I know uh, a couple of the guys that uh, post on Facebook and Twitter are looking for softball and baseball umpires. Um, I know that there's kind of a basketball shortage too. And um, I think they're having to put guys in position to referee games. They may not be ready to ref because of the shortage, but, um, and I think I've seen on Twitter, maybe you, you can help me with this as well, but I've seen other States and maybe even in Kentucky somewhere games have had to be canceled or moved to another day just because they don't have enough referees to fulfill the schedules and I know I've seen it in you know other states I don't know if that's come to Kentucky yet but I know they've moved games to other days or maybe moved a a Friday night game to a Thursday yeah and I mean they're gonna have to find ways in the future to continue to do that so they can have you know their full allotment or maybe they instead of having a three-man crew they'll be going down to two-man crews and then you know I, I I don't know your perspective on that but when one less ref it means less eyes and they're not gonna see as much well, and I'll be honest with you, I'm I'm more of a fan of two referees than three. Um, I know you would think three, see more, call more, but I got tired as a coach hearing the third referee say, well, that's not in my area, coach. That's yeah. not my area. I'm not calling that. It's out of my area. Well, the way I look at it is if you see it and it's a foul, call it. I don't care if it's your area or not. Um, I'm not so sure the game progressed anymore by having three officials um, from um, – from a financial standpoint, it killed a lot of small school budgets. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of times at Robertson, Augusta, Silver Grove, when they were in school, um, sometimes, you know, on a girls varsity game or even a boys varsity game, St. Pat maybe, you may not make enough in the crowd by the time you take coaches' passes and let students and staff in to pay for the officials. Yeah, because you're talking, you know, if you have a three-man crew. 250 JV, bucks. If you oh. have three for JV and then you go on top of varsity, you know, you're they talking- do two man for JV, but that's $110. I think it's 55 a piece. So right. that's 110 plus 250. Yeah. So you're looking almost $400 in officials every night. Yeah. And if you're not getting, you know, a hundred people paying $5 at the door, then, you know, or people going out and getting nachos and 
candy and popcorn. I mean, you're not getting that covered. So I, I just I'll go back to just how tough the game is to officiate these days. You know, you, you, you go to the NBA and they have to they have to review numerous plays. I mean, we don't we don't have that capability in high school just because the game moves so fast and these athletes are, are, are jumping higher, running faster and just as quick as they've ever been. And, and, you know, with modern technology, it just sometimes it makes it hard for the human eye to catch. And, you know, air is part of the game to where, to me, it's, it's very 99% of the time you cannot blame a game on officiating. You really can't. I, I've never had a referee win me a game. I've never had one lose me a game. Right. They, uh, don't, they don't shoot free throws or rebound the basketball, do they? I'll, I'll tell you this story here before we finish up. I was uh, coaching a Bracken County uh, JV before I got a varsity job. And, you know, I was young, I was fiery, I was energetic, and I was the one that argued every call, whined on every call that didn't go my way. And um, I felt like that was part of coaching was for me to whine and get on the referee to where, you know, they heard me say my piece about every blown whistle, blah, blah, blah. Well, there was a JV guy there um, during a JV game. He was refereeing, doing the best he could. And um, he made a call, and I didn't like the call. And he came over to try to explain it to me. I said, well – you just explained it to me, and I said, I guess there's a reason why you're doing JV. Um, he said, Coach, I don't want you to look right now, but there's a reason you're coaching JV. And I said, sir, you're 100% right. I didn't question another call, and that's when I, I went home. I remember thinking, these guys aren't out there purposely trying to cheat anybody. They're out there doing the best they can. They probably And sometimes as a coach, it's easier for us to see from our angle than it is for them to see. Right. So um, I made mistakes every game as a coach. Players make mistakes every game. Referees going to make mistakes every game. However, no referee is winning or losing any ball game. Absolutely, hundred percent correct. And you know, I think that's that's you know, there's really no way around that. I mean, it's just kind of how you know facts of the game work. Anything else tonight? You know, I think we've hit on a lot, you know, just looking forward to a big week that uh, I think is really going to heat up as, as the week goes on. And, um, you know, best of luck to the all-A teams and the two-A teams. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I've, I've really decided and came down to it where, you know, Clark County is going to be my number one team in the state when I file my AP ballot tomorrow. I know you talked about it Saturday at the Fieldhouse. How, or, or no, it wasn't Saturday. It was Thursday. Uh, Thursday. I'm confused because it's the holidays, but uh, Thursday, how they probably would be your number one team. And, um, you know, people don't realize it's not, I mean, it's impressive that what they did in Lexington, but they also went to the one in Louisville and finished fifth. I yeah. mean, and that was a star studded cast of teams as well. So I think coach cook and Cardinals have definitely earned the right to be number one in the state. And, uh, their um, lone losses, their lone losses to the number one team in South Carolina Dorman. So, you know, they haven't lost anybody in state and their one loss is to probably I think it was one of the top fifty teams in the country. So well, once again, congratulations to Coach Cook on that victory down there in Lexington. That's impressive. And you no, know, they've earned the right to be number one. Absolutely. All right, guys, we want to wish you guys a happy new year. Um, also want to uh reach out and say uh if you all have any uh players in your area that have um, received any kind of recognition or uh, surpassed a personal milestone or whatever, let us know. Also, anything you hear in the stands that you feels worthy to be mentioned on our new portion called From the Stands, Things Overheard in 10th Region Gyms, 
reach out to to us and let us know. And Evan, I'm sure I'll see you this week. I know you're going to Bratton County Tuesday, but I'll definitely probably see you at the All-A on Saturday. Yeah, sounds good. Looking forward to uh, another full day of basketball. All right, ma'am. I'll see you next week. All right. Take care. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.